Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. What is your biggest hang-up right now? What is the thing in your life that is your biggest annoyance? What is the circumstance or life situation or person or system that is holding you back What is your greatest fear? What is the narrative that is repeating in your mind over and over that continues to haunt you? What is the failure that continues to define you? Michael Jordan, greatest player in NBA history, took 900 game-winning shots. He made 147 of those shots, which means that he missed 750 of those shots, but he never quit. So my son, Bert, is a wrestler. And last year was his first time going out for wrestling. And literally every practice for the first four weeks of wrestling, he came home crying or he cried during practice, and he continued to face this point of resistance and fear. He also plays baseball. The first several times he got up to bat, he struck out, and he cried, and he would come back to the dugout. He would make a mistake in the outfield, and he would cry. And the greatest turning point for him was when he understood that he could actually learn from those failures and from those adversities and from those points of resistance. If there's one thing I want to pass on to my kids besides having faith in Jesus Christ, it would be to raise them up with a level and an understanding of what resilience is in the face of failure and adversity and resistance and opposition and even intentional resistance. Someone in the scripture models this for us, and his name is Joseph. And the story of Joseph is told in Genesis chapters 39 through 50. And we're going to read it verse by verse. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But let me give you a snapshot real quick. I think many of you probably know the story of Joseph, but let me just give you a quick summary, all right? Joseph was born. He was one of 12 boys. Imagine that right there. He was identified as the favorite of his father, which obviously created some resistance with his older brothers. One day, Joseph went out to his brothers who were in the field, and they saw him coming, and they said, I'm sick of this spoiled kid, and so they decided to beat him up. They threw him in a pit. Some traders were coming by. They sold him into slavery, and they went back and told their dad that he got killed by a lion or by some kind of wild animal. And his father weeped. And so Joseph was sold into slavery. His first uh, slave master was this guy named Potiphar. And he continued to work for Potiphar. He was honored. And everything he touched worked, prospered, the scripture says. And so Potiphar put him in, in charge of his whole household. Well, Potiphar's wife began to notice Joseph too. And one day when Potiphar went out on a trip, Potiphar's wife made an advance towards Joseph. And Joseph resisted. She didn't like that. And so she told Potiphar when he came home that actually the reverse happened. And so Potiphar got mad. Threw Joseph in jail. Joseph was imprisoned. 
He, everything he did in jail prospered. And so the head jailer actually made him in charge of the jail. And then he ministered one day to a cupbearer of Pharaoh. And that cupbearer saw these prophecies over his life come true. And he returned to Pharaoh and um, eventually told Pharaoh about Joseph. Then Joseph was brought into Pharaoh's court and everything that Joseph touched prospered. And he was raised up to a point where he was in charge of all of Egypt. One day his, a famine hits, Joseph's brothers come to ask. They don't recognize that it's Joseph and Joseph ends up providing for his family, forgives his brothers, brings his family back into a place of safety and prosperity. And God uses Joseph through every point of resistance and every point of adversity to move forward. And you can say a lot of things about Joseph, but there is something special about his ability to face adversity and not just survive, but grow. Every one of us is facing some adversity, some resistance, some person, some situation, some narrative in our mind, some failure from our past that continues to create resistance. How do we move through and beyond that? What is it about Joseph that allowed him not just to grow through adversity, but to grow because of adversity? Joseph had what I like to call a resiliency anointing. You can call it grit, you can call it perseverance, you can call it overcoming, but I like to call it a resiliency anointing. Hey, welcome to National Community Church this weekend. We're so glad to have you in the house, online, my online family. I love you. And I'm so glad that I get this opportunity to share with you today. So whether you're listening live or on demand, I just want you to know you are family. We are not on this journey alone, but we're in this together. And I'm so glad that you're a part of this journey. And I want to share with you a little bit about this resiliency anointing. This series has been amazing as Pastor Mark has led us through these first three weeks of a Caleb anointing of courage, right? And Elisha and Elijah anointing of multi-generational anointing. And last week, Jeremiah finding your voice. If you haven't Listen to those, make sure, and go back and take some time to do that. But today I want to continue this series by talking about a resiliency anointing. And if you don't have the app on your phone, you need to get our NCC app. You can open that right now, and you can go into uh, the message notes on here, and you can follow along with some fill-in-the-blank message notes as I go through. I want to talk about five things Uh, five mindsets of Joseph's life that stick out to me that are critical to a resiliency anointing. And it starts with number one, Joseph owns his story. I'm gonna also talk about how he honors his integrity, how he sees others as his purpose, how he orients his heart around forgiveness and how he outsources his power. But I wanna start with this idea of Joseph owns his story. What do I mean by that? I mean, Joseph doesn't blame others for his situation. He doesn't get stuck in the fact that his circumstances 
are resisting him, that people are creating barriers for him, that challenges are coming his way, but he actually owns what has been brought into his life and accepts it and chooses to work within the situation that his life has become. You see, it's actually the opposite of complaining. Uh, One of the things I've realized over time is that complaining is just an unwillingness to adapt to what life brings your way. I get stuck there a lot of times, and I find myself a lot of times when I'm complaining, it's because I'm not accepting the fact that, you know what, there's going to be resistance, and I need to just figure out what is it that I can do and that I can become in the process to overcome and to be resilient. One of the most healing exercises I've ever done was something I did at the age of 50. I like to think of it as a halftime adjustment in the locker room. And what I did was I journaled my way through some of the biggest hurts and barriers that I experienced in my life up to that point and tied them to narratives that those began to speak over my life and narratives that I was believing about who I had become because of what somebody said or because of what somebody did or because of what something in my life created over me. And Dr. Caroline Leaf introduced me and uh, to this idea of reconceptualizing those experiences and those narratives. I had to go through each of those things and ask the question, did what happened to me really mean what I'm thinking it meant? And I had to begin to take that narrative that I took from that experience that I experienced and question it and doubt it and begin to reconceptualize it. Was there something else that I could believe about myself? And I began to make these halftime, what I call halftime adjustments in my life. And these narratives that I was stuck in and began to see them transform. You know, the greatest coaches aren't the coaches that come out of the gate with the best game plan. The greatest coaches are the coaches that coach at halftime and make halftime adjustments to what's happening because a game is gonna bring a certain challenge in it and your ability to adapt to what's happening and adjust to it and make halftime. The greatest players are the ones that adapt to what's happening around and adjust because of it. They adjust at halftime. They adjust in the fourth quarter. And you know what? I know there's some people here. I know there's some people that are listening right now and you're facing a quarter life crisis. Or maybe you are at halftime and it's and you are in the locker room and you're looking at what's happening. Some of you are in the fourth quarter, but you know what? I want to tell you something tonight. It is not too late. And the greatest of those experiences come when you make those adjustments, no matter what quarter, what half you are in. It is in those times that God opens the door for you to make those adjustments. And you know what Joseph does? He reveals his ability to own his story and reimagine it from God's perspective. Listen to what he says in Genesis 45 and verse 7 when when his brothers come to him and start talking to him and he says, God sent you before, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Listen to this, verse 8. So it was not you who sent me here. But God, 
For he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. You see, he could have said, it's my brother's fault that I ended up in this situation. But he saw, he looked back at that and he reimagined it and he said, you know what? It's not about you. It's not about my circumstance. It is about God. God set this up and he saw it from a different perspective. Who knows what God could do if we would be willing to see our story through God's eyes. In fact, two weeks ago on Upper Zoom, and if you've never experienced Upper Zoom with us, I wanna invite you to do that. Every Wednesday at 7.14 a.m. Eastern time, we gather on Zoom for 30 minutes and we get together, we hear a quick word, and we spend some time in prayer. If you've never come, join. we have 75, 80, 90 of us that gather every week. And so it's not like you're going to come and have to you know, be on the spot. You can fit, you can slide in and be an observer at first. But I want to invite you to join us for prayer on Upper Zoom every week. But Pastor T.L. Rogers was on Upper Zoom with us, and he told us his story about being born in New York City to a single mom because his biological father, when he found out his mom was pregnant, abandoned. And his mom tried to make it in New York City, but she couldn't make it, and so she had to come back to D.C. where she had a support system. And at the age of, from the age of three on, he was raised here in the D.C. area. And he came to faith while he was here in the D.C. area. And he received a call on his life. And he met his wife, Mabel, right here in the D.C. area. And he, and he decided with Mabel to plan a church in 1987 called Triumphant. And they pastored that church for 25 years where his kids were raised up and his son actually became a pastor in the church and he handed off the church to his son who continues to pastor that church. And he said to us, who knew that the greatest pain point in my life would become the avenue for God's greatest purpose through my life? You see, who knows what God might do and who knew that God would get you to the point where you're at? Who knows what he still can do, even through your greatest pain point, even through the greatest point of resistance in your life? Who knows what God could do? Drop that in the chat for me right now. Who knows what God could do with your biggest hang-up, your biggest hurt, your biggest challenge or point of resistance right now? If you will own your story. People often blame the algorithm, right? And we don't realize that I am the algorithm. My perspective and my outlook, my mindset is the algorithm because I'm gonna find exactly what I wanna find, whether it's true or not. But the point isn't that it's all those other things. It is all about my mindset and a resilient anointing won't get stuck in blame. It will own the story and it will set you up 
to overcome. And there is an anointing that is available for you today that is able, that is within you already and that can be placed upon you, that can bring you through, that can give you the courage to own your story through the power of the Holy Spirit to not become a victim to your story, but to own, to not become a victim to your personality or to your age or to that person, that ex who spoke words, or that boss who spoke over you, but you are able to move through that, Romans 8, 27. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You have a resiliency anointing in you to own your story. Own your story like Joseph did. Number two, Joseph honors his integrity with action. We see that Joseph remained faithful to his predecisions to live with integrity. We read when Potiphar's wife was trying to pursue Joseph that it says in verse 39 or chapter 39 and verse 7 it says he refused. And then in verse 10 when she continued it says and although she spoke to Joseph day after day he would not consent to lie beside her or to be with her. You see, he didn't just choose not to be with her, but he chose not even to lie beside her. What is the significance? You see, it is that he wouldn't even compromise in the smallest way. He wouldn't even compromise to try to placate her. He wouldn't give in just a little bit. He would not sell out his integrity just to get her to leave him alone. You see, we live in a shortcut culture. We get pressured. And so we give in and we compromise our morals. Sometimes we just call them white lies to feel better about it. And we, and we do it to move things forward. Sometimes we think God needs our help to move things forward. And so we might do a little thing here or a little thing there to help the plan move forward. But there is a higher calling, and it doesn't involve a fudge here or, or a little blind eye there. Rather, we need a fresh commitment to honor our integrity and to trust God. Joseph trusted God. And oftentimes, I think the reason that we compromise is simply lack of trust. But Joseph honored his integrity with his actions, and he honored his relationship with Potiphar, his boss, with integrity. But that relationship piece is important, which brings me to number three. Joseph sees others as part of his purpose. Over and over and over again, we see Joseph honor those around him. And we see him lift those around him up. He prioritizes relationship. When he worked for Potiphar, his first boss, everything around him prospered. He prospered his boss. He prospered everything around. He lifted him up. When he got thrown in jail, what did he do? He made the jail a better place. The head jailer made him in charge. Why? Because he was lifting up everyone around him. He helped the cupbearer. He spoke a prophetic word over the cupbearer, helped him get back to Potiphar. And he didn't do it for what he could get out of it. He did it because 
He saw people as part of his purpose. And then he ends up in Pharaoh's house and everything he touches prospers. He adds value wherever he goes. He adds value to the people around him. How are you adding value to those around you? This is actually part of bringing the gospel to people around us. It is bringing value. It is seeing the image of God and bringing value in who we are and what we do. It is bringing heaven to earth. It's seeing the fingerprint of God in others and calling it out. The challenge for this this entire series is one word for one person. We are believing for God to give you one word for one person. And we want to invite you to step out in faith I received an email from Janet this week, who's part of our online family. And she reached out just to share a story. And Janet is the founder and CEO of, of Agape, which is a ministry in, in Texas and uh, in Wiley, the Wiley area, Plano area of Texas. And uh, it's a ministry to women who lead households that are facing challenging situations, oftentimes because of abuse, where they are needing some transitional housing. And so this ministry takes them in. And Janet, as she has served these women and helped so many, she realized there was another step in the process of of reintegrating those women and and children and their families back into uh, a healthy uh, society. And part of that transition was to get them into some low-income housing so that they could begin to reestablish themselves. And so she got a vision for that. And man, she shared with me how big it was and how overwhelmed it, overwhelming it was. And when she brought it before the city council, uh, to her surprise, they approved it and said, we're in and we're going to help. And she was so overwhelmed. And she said, you know what? I want to go I want to go to National Community Church and I want to just be, swim in the waters. I just want to be there and I want to trust for God to give me the courage and the next steps for how he's going to help me bring this about. As she saw, as she focused on other people, she came in. This was, I believe it was June of 2021. She said she came in, she was part of a service and she noticed one gentleman who was especially excited to be in the house that day and just he kept inspiring her and after service was over he turned around and and greeted her and as they were talking he said to her he looked her in the eye and he said there's a call of God on your life isn't there she said yeah and he said and the challenge is bigger than you ever imagined and you don't know what to do and she said yes it is And he said, let me pray for you. And Dr. Thomas Matthew, who is a part of our DC campus and also joins us with his wife Dana online, part of our NCC online family, right there in that moment, spoke a word and spoke courage and prophesied and spoke courage into her life in a way that re-infused Janet to go back and to carry on the work of the Lord. You see, Here's what's interesting. That was over two years ago. And I just reached out to Dr. Matthews this week to tell him about, he had no clue that this had even been something that had transpired. But 
He added value, not for his own sake, but for the sake of bringing the gospel, bringing the image of God alive in somebody else. You know what's interesting? I don't think that two years is a mistake because you know what it says? That when Joseph encouraged and spoke encouragement over the cupbearer, it says the cupbearer went back to Pharaoh and forgot Joseph. And you know what? The next verse in chapter 40, 41 It says, and two years later, the cupbearer remembered Joseph and brought him before Pharaoh to help Pharaoh, to translate Pharaoh's dream. It was two years, two two years. Drop drop a peace sign in the chat, number two. Two years. You see, Joseph wasn't in it for himself. He wasn't trying to lift people up so that he could network and so that he could get something else out of it. Nowhere in there does it talk about Joseph. You know, Joseph, there's nowhere in there where it shows that he complains. He sees others as part of his purpose. And so he adds value. You see, purpose is found just across the border of what's in it for me. So many times we're seeking God's purpose but we're seeking God's purpose for me. And so often his purpose is found just across the border of what's in it for me. Sometimes the hardest time to think of others is when we are facing adversity, but it's also the perfect time. Joseph did it. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them for the, he was thinking of others and adding value to others at his greatest pain point and his greatest point of resistance from everyone around him. And yet he models for us to add value. Joseph sees others as part of his purpose. Number four, Joseph orients his heart around Forgiveness, reading from Genesis 50. This is, again, his brothers coming to him. Their father had died, and this is what it says. Uh, They had asked him, they were afraid. And so they said, uh, Joseph said, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do me harm, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I will provide for you. And he spoke to them kindly. You see, we get so caught up on unforgiveness because we think forgiveness is releasing someone from what they did to do it again. But that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is about releasing them from the emotional debt that they owe you and stole from you through your hurt. You see, when somebody did something to you, what what they stole from you was your value, your worth, your sense of safety, your sense of courage, your sense of respect, your sense of love. And what forgiveness is, is forgiveness is releasing them from the debt of that emotional experience and instead saying, God, I'm gonna look to you to bring me validation. I'm looking to you to bring me love. I'm looking to you to bring me worth. I'm looking to you to bring me courage and to be the courage that it's choosing to let go and choosing to trust God for that need. What if the most spiritual thing you could do today was to choose to forgive? 
I believe that God is calling some of us today to forgive. My wife and I were blessed to go on an Alaskan cruise with a dear friend of mine, a missionary, Mike Silva, Mike Silva International Ministries, an amazing man of God who is doing, uh, God is using in, in amazing ways. And uh, many of, of the people who are uh, a part of his ministry went on this cruise together. And so we got to be with some other believers and we got to go on this cruise to Alaska, Nicole and myself. And it was nothing short of amazing. Well, at one of the stops, uh, we decided to do a photography tour. And you can see some photos here. You see my wife standing there. You see uh, this area where there was these, uh, this glacier. And we walked through this area that had a glacier and saw um, where the glacier had, had melted. It was gone. And, and this life had, had sprouted up from underneath where the glacier was. The forest floor was amazing. It was like a mattress. It was just unbelievable. And then... Uh, as we were talking about this, we found out that glaciers actually can weigh such an unbelievable amount that they put so much pressure on the earth that it begins to sink, right? And this is a picture of the Grand Pacific Glacier. It's 16 miles long. And at one point, it's 900 feet deep. Can you imagine how 900 feet of ice would weigh? And so it presses down on the ground beneath it. And when the glacier goes away, what happens is the ground begins to decompress. And scientists found that the ground will, will decompress at 10 inches per year. And so over a 12-year period, the ground will literally rise 10 feet as it decompresses from the pressure of this glacier that once resided upon it. Some of you have been under the weight of the glacier of unforgiveness for too long. And it's time to let God come in. It's time to release that and let God melt that unforgiveness in your life and the glacier of unforgiveness that has been crushing you. And I want to call out to you, there is so much beauty under that unforgiveness if you will let it glow, go. There is an ecosystem of beauty that can come alive and, a, and a, there is so much life underneath there if you are willing to let it Go imagine what the forest floor of your life can produce if you will orient your heart around forgiveness, if you will let go, if you will forgive that father who abandoned you, that mother who hurt you, that ex who scarred you and left you alone, that boss who spoke vindictive words over you and tried to define you, that failure that continues to haunt you because of what somebody else did, that best friend who spoke those things over you, where do you need 
to forgive. You see, a a resiliency anointing is available for you to forgive. And when you do, that anointing becomes even more potent and more powerful in your life. And today, I believe today is the day of forgiveness for you. Last thing, and I close with this, Joseph outsourced his strength and his power. A lot of times we think of outsourcing as a negative thing, right? Uh, or as, as a, a cheap thing, that we do it to save money, right? That Companies do do that. But when I say Joseph outsourced his strength, what I'm saying is he quit relying on his own strength and he outsourced it and trusted in God, in the power of the Holy Spirit to be his strength. And that brought his anointing. Genesis 41 and verse 16 says, it is not I, but God who will give the answer. You see, right out of the gate, when Pharaoh says to him, and this is in response to Pharaoh saying, I know that you're gonna give me the answer. He says, it's not my power, it's God. In fact, four times in Genesis 39 through 42, it says these exact words, the Lord was with Joseph and so he prospered. The anointing of God and the intimacy and intimacy with God are so critical to understanding and experiencing God's anointing on your life. And the anointing of resiliency goes hand in hand with your intimacy with God because it is about relying on God for your power and your strength. Aren't you tired of trying to measure up? Aren't you tired of trying to overcome? Aren't you tired of trying to get through the challenges and situations and the failures that haunt you and the narratives that continue to hold you down because you are trying in your own strength? And I'm inviting you today and I am telling you today that there is a power and there is an anointing of resiliency that is available through the Holy Spirit if you will lean in, if you will invite Jesus into your life, if you will trust him with all that you are. You see Ephesians 1 says this, may wisdom and the spiritual understanding awaken you to the reality of God's strength within you. That anointing is in you, and God is wanting to call it out. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not about your power or your ability. It is about relying on him. Zechariah 4.6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Psalm 92.10, I have been anointed with fresh oil, and it has strengthened me. I know you think you don't want a challenge, but God help us all. You might need one, and you might need to own the challenge that is in front of you so that you can experience the anointing of resiliency. I know you don't think that this adversity is good, but it can make you better, Romans 8, 28. God works all things for good. It is without question that the times I have grown the most in my life are the times where I have experienced the greatest adversity I've ever come up against. When my father was 45 or, or 55 
and he had a massive heart attack and passed away. I was wrecked. When I was diagnosed with cancer in 2018 for the first time, just months before my first daughter was going to be born, I was brought to my knees. When I was diagnosed again in 2022, last year, January of 2022, with a mass in my abdomen that was 13 centimeters wide, the size of a softball. Again, I was brought to my knees, this adversity, but those are the moments where I was able to tap in to my relationship with God and to his strength and to what he was doing in me and through me and around me. And by the way, good news, thank you for everybody that prays for me. I, I can't tell you how much that means to me. I went through a year of chemo that started in April of 2022, finished in in April of this year. I just went back for my six-month appointment uh, last Wednesday. And they said, there's no action there. You're doing good. So thank you for your prayers. I'm so thankful but here's my point. It is in every one of those adversities that I found God in a new way. 2 Corinthians 4, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. James 1, 2 through 4, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, if I can put the word resilience in there. For the testing of your faith produces resilience. And let resilience have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is your biggest hang-up right now? What is that thing that is annoying you to no end? What is the failure that continues to haunt you? What is the narrative from a past experience, from what somebody said over you that continues to try to define you? What are the situations and circumstances that continue to cause resistance in your life? You see, the same God that anointed Joseph with a resiliency anointing, the same God that anointed Jeremiah and Elisha and Ezekiel and Elijah, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Peter, who was in jail, and Paul, who experienced beatings. The same God has an anointing for you and lives within you, and the Spirit lives within you to move you forward. There is an anointing that is available for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that hears this message right now. In fact, if you're at live.national, you may need to hit that prayer request button. I would encourage you to do that right now and let one of our prayer team 
pray over you. If you're watching on YouTube Live right now, you might need to hop over to live.national and you might need to request prayer. But Father, right, God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for anybody that is facing one of these things and continuing to find challenges and struggles that you would anoint them with the anointing of resiliency because you are able, you are their source, you are able to move them through forgiveness, you are able to orient their heart around forgiveness and bring honor and integrity and renew that in them and allow them to see others and own their story. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, in this space, in this moment right now. We trust you with our lives. And I pronounce an anointing of resiliency over you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.